the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10. And here's what you read. He says, You are witnesses, and so is God. How devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behaved toward you believers. So remember, he's writing to those that know Christ as Savior. I'm already going into this when I just wanted to read it, but I've got to say this. What you're about to read now, he's saying to believers for a specific reason. Hear this. It, w- it was because unbelievers, non-Christians, could not sustain the truths of application of what he's going to teach here, these principles, because they had no power in them. Secondly, he's writing to believers because not only do they have access to the power to live out these things and be successful, it's because it's through those people that all of this was to be done for a greater good and that would be the glory of God. So an unsaved person doing this won't necessarily bring glory to the Lord and it's not sustainable. So anyway, it's to believers. So that means it's to you and me. He goes on to say in verse 11, Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you, here it is, as a father would his own children, so that you would do this, you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Now, if this is your Bible and you want to mark it, you could circle the phrase as a father in verse 11, and then go to verse 7 and circle the phrase, nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children, part of that phrase, the mother part, and draw a line. Because what he's going to do now, and this is what's so important, is he's going to take the motherhood, which I don't have time to preach this morning, since it's Father's Day, I'm focusing on as a father. And he's going to say this, which is to me, it blows my mind. He's saying, I want you to act in this Christian way with these Christian life principles. And if you need a a, a mental picture of it, this is what a dad does. That seems odd. It's almost like saying, dads, this is what you need to do. Well, in a way he's saying that, but in reality he's saying, you do this just as a dad, implying that this is the normal way dads live their life if they're Christian men around their families. So it's already expected that this is how you would be. So keep that in mind. The other thing that I thought was interesting is that if you recall, the Apostle Paul is now writing this not because he's some great writer that's a part of a great religious movement. He is writing this underneath the inspiration of the only great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, through the Godhead part, the Holy Spirit. So this is God's mind on paper as he's writing all of this. So this is God's mind in this truth. As big as that is, there's another subtle truth that's in here. Do you notice how he says in verse 7, as a mother, and then in verse 10 or 12, right, he says, as a father. He doesn't say as a mother and then as a mother. He doesn't say as a father, as a father. So there's no same-sex marriage going on here. It's 
completely separate from that. You have a masculine context because we can see what a dad would be like. We see a feminine context and there would be a feminine context for what, how a woman or a mother would operate as well. And it's not saying, okay, well, this is a guy who kind of acts motherly. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say as a guy would act motherly toward his blah, blah, blah. It doesn't say that. So I just want to underpin this a little bit to let you know that throughout Scripture, there is no deviation, there is no cultural shift in Scripture when it talks about what a healthy, normal family life would be, which spills over into a normal, healthy society, which then would make a normal, healthy world. And as soon as you begin tracking away from that, we see the things begin to crumble. Now, I know I'm sounding like I'm ranting. I'm saying this because I'm imploring you here, as you'll see in a moment. I just love you, and I love the truth, and I don't want you nor our society to crumble based upon a false teaching, belief, lifestyle that is nowhere biblical, that has tons of statistics to show you that it's tragic in its end. That being said now, I wanted you to see, though, that we're still going back to the, to the Father. Now, if uh, some of you drift, because I'm going to get a little deeper here in a moment, let me just kind of give you a couple of points. You can hang on these, and then you can go home if you want. First of all, the mother represents a gentleness in her spirit. The father represents three here. One is that he would be a model first. The second, he would be a mentor. Number three, he would be a motivator. Did you catch that? The mother is the gentle. doesn't mean dads don't be gentle. I've got enough scripture on that because it talks about that in gentleness we may rescue them who are ensnared by thoughts of the devil and, and all of his kind of, of false teaching. We rescue them by having a gentle and meek and merciful spirit. So it's for everybody. But in this context, mothers are the gentle ones. And then the dads need to kind of man up and realize that I need to show it before I tell it. And so I want to model it, but I also want to mentor them but I also want to motivate them. I want them to get to the next level so I can do the teaching, but if I don't really care, if they're really growing or not, all I am is nothing more than an information giver. If I'm a mentor or a model rather, then I don't really care what they do. I'm just going to take care of myself because I have to stand before God and I want to be great. It's not about that. It's all about the next generation becoming all that God wants them to be. We'll see that in just a moment. The biggest question you might be asking is, well, some of you are already at this point. You're saying, okay, I, I accept that. I'm ready to go. Go, 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 go. There are others of you saying, why should I do that? What is my mandate to be this kind of a dad? Well, if you will, for a moment, will you hold your place here? Because I will come back to this. and You want to have your pens ready to mark it. I'd like you to go to 1 Corinthians, if you will, 1 Corinthians, very quickly, and turn to chapter 16, if you will, and look in verse 13. Paul was just driven by helping men to become all that they can be. It wasn't that he loved men more than women, but he recognized that in the hierarchy of the scheme of things that everyone has their place, but the place for men that the man needs to basically man up. And here's what he says in chapter 16, verse 13. Let me read this to you. It goes like this. Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Now that is a sermon in itself with all these different sections in its own little principal point. But I wanted you to look primarily at the act like men and then the be strong. That phrase, act like men, in the Greek is the idea of owning a courageous spirit to the point that you understand what are your biblical convictions and then your commitment to live out those biblical convictions, watch this, no matter the cost. And so if we're going to be the dads that we want to be and we're going to engage what I'm going to teach you here in 1 Thessalonians, it comes from you men saying, okay, I want to act like a man. Some of you have a King James Version, and it might say, quit like a man. 
for the longest time, what does it mean, quit like a man? I, I just couldn't get it. Well, before I ever went to the Greek, I came up with my own um, interpretation of quit like a man. You know why you would quit like a man? Because men don't quit. All right? Isn't that cute? But technically, though, it does mean to be courageous and to manifest that courage outwardly. And that's why it says, be strong. So in a sense, you can be courageous, but not necessarily strong. But they're so much close together. It's like a first base and a second base on a baseball diamond. You need them both. They're a little different, but they're all part of the same game. Now I want to say this. This whole concept where God is now speaking to those that want to influence the next generation permeates Scripture all the way from the Old Testament, preparing the Jews before they ever went into the Promised Land with the whole concept is, you're going to face huge obstacles in fulfilling my will, my word for you to do, which was go in there, conquer all those people, set up shop, and that's your land. You've got to do that. But to do that, he had to give them some great instruction. So you can leave 1 Corinthians now, and I'm going to do a quick little rundown so you can understand that all this is coming from God. And then I'm going to say a few things about that, and we're going to get to our passage and try to get home today around 3 o'clock. Just joking. Go back, if you will, to Deuteronomy quickly. Deuteronomy. Why don't you turn to Deuteronomy chapter 31, if you will. Deuteronomy chapter 31. Men, I want you to pay attention to this, even if you already feel like that you're strong, you've been in military, you're strong, you own a business, or you've got people working for you, or you're strong because you've had a lot of challenges, and, and you face those challenges with grit and, and God and guts and all of that, and you're strong. Let me give this to you. Now, there are also some guys that sometimes are a little bit feeble or a little bit nervous about some of the roles that they might have to face. I have not really met very many dads who didn't say when they found out their wife was pregnant and now they say that when we found out we were pregnant. I, I get all of that. But you go to the wife and she says, you ain't pregnant, buddy. I'm the guy pregnant. I get that. But at the same time, those guys are still biting their nails, especially when they dip back memory lane and they see how their dad was or wasn't or their own propensity for hurts, hang-ups, and habits that aren't strong and, and oh, well, I make it. I'll share a personal note. Carol and I were not able to have children. We've adopted older kids that had issues. Now, we chose that, walked into it with our eyes open. We know about it, and, and God's been gracious in many ways with our kids. That being said, I remember when Carol and I, before we went to adopt and before we tried to have children, we worked with junior high kids. I, maybe it's just junior high kids. Those were those wonderful, difficult years. We had hundreds of them coming to our youth ministry every single week, hundreds of them. And um, when we did... We'd go home, and after, on our way home, we'd have a big staff pizza thing to thank the Lord for what God did that night. And then Carol and I would go home by ourselves to our little tiny apartment, and we would say to each other, there is no way we ever want to have kids. And it wasn't because these kids were so bad. What impacted our mind was, this world is so bad. It was horrible. It was such a challenge in this world with the music, with the message, with the modeling out there of what's going on, how everybody's living their life, these kids, and what they're going to face. Now, let me tell you, that discussion occurred in about 1973. Now, can you imagine, would you agree if our world is worse today than it was in 1973? If you agree, say, uh-huh, loud enough, you got my point. And so we faced that until we had an older couple who loved us as, as kind of like a parent, but not quite, who even coached us through our adoption process, etc. They mentioned this, they said this, and it was so wise. They said, the world will never get better. God will never get better, and God is bigger than the world, and therefore as long as you are vitally connected to the Lord and to His Word and to His Spirit, then by His grace, His help, and His strength, you then can become the parents that you need to be. 
You don't know how often we had to hang on to that when we took in two kids that had fetal alcohol syndrome. We took in a girl who was living in a bus, a street girl, and took her in as a Hanai daughter. And all that we had to face with that. And those truths that that man gave us weren't just little spiritual platitudes, little piffy little Christianese out there. They actually came from God's word as he spoke to the leaders who would go in and face bigger challenges perhaps than what we would ever face with our adopted kids. So let's look at it here because I want you to see the mandate that's coming to us. In verse 8 of chapter 31 of Deuteronomy, it says, The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Every father, every new father ought to mark this in your Bible, own that verse, memorize that verse, take it into the birthing room. I guess it was, I don't know what they call them as. Maternity room? What do they call those rooms? Okay, delivery rooms. Okay, see, we didn't have children. You know, we would say the adoptive office, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. So with that, you own that particular verse. It is beautiful. The question is, is who is the Lord now speaking to? He's speaking through Moses to Joshua, verse 7. And you remember, Joshua is the only other adult other than Caleb that went through the wilderness experience and went into the promised land. And he was given, kind of like, uh, you're it, Joshua. You're leading the band of millions of Jews to go take over this land over here. And you need to be courageous. And remember these truths. You dads, you're taking over your family in such a way as the spiritual influencer and servant of that family. So you need to own this here. And this is your verse to give you encouragement. Stay with me in the same uh, chapter. Verse 23 it says, Then he commissioned Joshua, the son of Nun, and said again to him, Be strong and courageous, for you shall bring the sons of Israel into the land which I swore to them, and I will be with you. Who said that? Moses, but it was the Lord telling Moses, this is what you say about the Lord to Joshua. So you dads, especially you first-time dads, I want you to know you will never be alone. The Lord will never fail you, that he will give you all the strength once he tells you to be courageous, and you can come out a winner on the other end. Let's quickly go to Joshua chapter 1 now. So now Joshua hears that. Now, he hears it again as a reminder, which reminds me as a dad that I can't just say stuff one time to my kids if I'm now teaching them. It's got to be repetitive to them. All right? Verse 5 says this, 1-5, Joshua 1-5. It says, again, spoke, speaking to, uh, uh, to Joshua and to us by extension. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I have been with Moses. I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give to them. In other words, be strong because you're going to get the results when you do. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all that the law is. Now, by the way, that's important because you can be strong about your own way of trying to raise your family instead of being strong about God's way to do it by knowing it's in his book, but I have to do his book. Then it says in verse 9, have not I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't tremble. Don't be dismayed. Now it gives you the why. Four, underline four. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, if that's not enough, go quickly over to 2 Samuel now, 2 Samuel. Now, you can still take these truths if you are leading not just your own family, but you could take it if you're taking over a business, a ministry, a Sunday school class. You're, you're, you're wanting to lead the next generation to a greater influence level. All right, so we're back now to 2 Samuel chapter, um, chapter 10, verse 12. Well, yeah, just 12. Well, I need to set this up. 
All right, you have David. He's now in the promised land. He's the greatest king Israel ever knew, but he still had problems with his enemies. There's a couple of enemies that he had out there. One was Ammon and the Ammonites. The other were the Arameans. You, you probably say, I don't care. There's too much detail. It's Father's Day. I want to go eat. But know this. The Arameans were a part of a sect of people who lived in Syria, so we could call them Syrians. And so when you start thinking of Syria today, you can kind of think of the same Middle East conflict style of doing stuff. So Joab now says, we've got these people that are coming against Israel here. David wants us to wipe them out. So Joab says this. He says, I'm going to take the the, um, uh, Arameans and you, my brother, I want you to take Ammon over here. Now, if what happens, you begin to lose, I will leave these guys and I'll come help you. If I begin to lose, you come and you help me. And then Joab gives this bit of encouragement. Now, before I give it to you, I want to remind you of something. It would not be too distant to believe that in the course of Jewish oral tradition that the whole concept of a God who gives a command tells us to follow his word then tells us to have courage because he will never leave us and he's our power source it would not surprise me if all of that was passed down through many dads like you to give it to the next generation so now Joab kind of says duh now I know what to do and now here's what he says in verse 12 he says be strong and let us show ourselves courageous for the sake of our people and for the cities of our God and may the Lord do what is good in his sight So again, realizing that the courage that he received was from the Lord. Now, if you're taking notes on the side, before I get into my message, the last I want to say is this. So as you get your mandate to be the dad that that God wants to use, then from what I just read to you, and you can do your own extrapolation from these passages, you're going to know that the source that Paul found strong to be able to teach this way were the following. He said, first of all, that the presence of God is with you. Secondly, The promise of God is with you. Number three, the power of God is with you. The presence of God is with you. The promise of God is with you. The power of God is with you. Now, I don't have time to unpack that, and perhaps this is already the the fodder for next year's father, the fodder for the Father's Day message next year. But this is important teaching right here so that you guys, no matter where you are, you can do this. Now, one more thought, and then I'll get into the passage. Some of you, your courage now is not like, I'm a first-time dad, or and I don't know if I can be a dad, or I've just got this new baby now, I'd like to be a good dad, and you're afraid of all of that. Some of the greatest fears for men are not just the first time they do this. Listen to this. These are the dads that are listening to me right now that they have failed in being a dad. And they failed in the worst way. They were Christian dads who heard messages on all of this stuff and they still failed in their fatherhood with their kids. However that fail is, I don't have time to unpack all of that, but they have. And so now they're hearing this message and it's like, oh, I don't want to try, I'm so embarrassed, I'll still I'll fail again, blah, blah, blah. And you're almost staying paralyzed. In fact, you're feeling nauseous. You're, I can't wait, I just don't want to be here right now. But out of that group could still be the guy that says, I'd like to do that. And to you, God is saying, be courageous. You get a do-over. You ever heard that phrase before? A do-over. You get a do-over. And today is your day of do-overs. Now, whether your kids uh, turn around quickly or they forgive you or whatever, it doesn't matter in this sense. You can't control them. All you can control is you. So I want you to face that onslaught of memories of failures and face it with courage knowing that you have the presence of God, you have the promise of God, and you have the power of God working for you. Be courageous. Now, let's go back to our primary passage. Those were my introductory remarks. Let's go, if you will, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 
So dads, let's learn how we can be the kind of father God uses. And it begins with, number one, modeling a godly lifestyle. Modeling a godly lifestyle. Now, when you hear modeling today, you often think of uh, uh, mostly women hard, dressed with hardly anything, walking some kind of a, what do they call that? The gangway, or I don't know what they call that thing. All right, I don't want you to think of modeling. But I do mean by modeling is that you are doing something visibly so other people can see you. So when I say modeling, now some of you say, is that really biblical? All throughout Scripture, the whole concept of what God wants us to do as Christians, but now as dads, is that you need to show the way before you um, go the way, so to speak, with them by teaching them. And so the modeling comes. If you want to reference Deuteronomy chapter 4, it says, teach your kids to know that the Lord is the one God and He's the true God. And He says, while you're teaching them that, let it be in your heart first. So in other words, you model it before you give it to them. So modeling is a biblical principle. Let's go back to the passage. It says, you are witnesses and so is God. So there is accountability. So if you really want to say, all right, I'm going to model what I should do as a dad and I have to remember that... Um, other people are watching and so is God. Now look up here, dads. Some of you, um, when you're reading this, you're saying, okay, now I need to model what a dad is. Okay, I want you to know you are already modeling what a dad is. I am already modeling what a dad is. You are all witnesses. If my son came here today um, and you watched him out here, you couldn't miss him. He's like six seven. He's, you know, howly blonde, big, strong guy. He, he doesn't look like us. And that's because he's adopted, remember? Okay, so you'd see him come in, and you'd watch how, how's he talking? How does he, I've never seen him talk with a son before, or a child. You're going to be witnessing. But also God is witnessing. And the thing about God, though, is that he doesn't just see what we do outwardly, because we can do a lot of good sin management. He knows what's going on in the heart. Go back to the passage, and he says this. He says, how devoutly, uprightly, and blamelessly we behave toward you believers. So we lead by example by setting the godly lifestyle. And there are three terms here. So some of you that are kind of new to those terms, I don't know what translation you have. I use the New American. I like it. It's a good translation. I encourage you to get it if you're going to be with us every Sunday. It's easier for you to follow if you do. Anyway, it says how devoutly. The word devoutly there really is our holy manner of our relationship to God. So when you think of being devout, it means a relationship with God. Now, that relationship with God, watch this, no matter how it is, it will spill out to other people. Whatever is on the inside will come out. As a man thinks in his heart, Scripture says, so you'll be. So it begins inside. So in your margin, you could put inward. All right, Inward is the idea. Inwardly. I need to make sure that my heart is right towards Him. How many times have you pre- you've heard me preach? Our intimacy with the Lord fuels our outreach for the Lord. I, when I do a funeral, and I don't know if the person is saved or not, I remind the people that Christianity, salvation, is always an inside job. It happens inside. You get saved on the inside. What you do outwardly after that, yeah, you ought to manifest a new life and blah, 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 blah. But none of that is what gets you born again. It's an inside job. You believe in your heart. You call upon the Lord. It's all inside. And so we begin by an inside job with the Lord. So men, the first thing you need to do is if your heart is right, your feet will follow. So how's your heart? Did you catch that? How's your heart? How's your heart? All right, the second term is the word uprightly. That means a little bit more upwardly to the Lord. Okay, I got my heart right. Now I want to live uprightly, but I want to do this as unto the Lord. So while my heart is right with my motivation, my outward actions have to match my motivation, and I'm doing it for one person in the audience and that's God all right so it's an inside job but now it goes upwardly and I want you to know this is a key now 
It's according to God's word. There are so many people that will hear messages today and they will read so many books on fatherhood and they begin to tout all these great authors and I don't want to put them down. There's a lot of great teaching in there. But I want you to know your most accurate teaching, the one that will be equipped with the power of the Holy Spirit is when it's the word of God used by the spirit of God. So again, when you say, I want to live uprightly before the Lord if you want to know how do I do that and when am I not and when do I step out of bounds and blah 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 you've got to get back to the word that's why we want our men to be men of the book if there's one book you are a master of it's going to be the Bible at the end of the week when you look at all of the words you've ever read throughout the week somehow you have read more Bible words than any other word now by the way you can read the Bible and still be a a low life Okay, it's letting the Bible go into you and change your life. The third phrase is the word blameless. Now, this is before other people, so it would be outward, inward, upward, outward. The whole idea is living especially before other people. And I'll tell you, your kids really are watching you. They're seeing how you're operating. I read a very interesting illustration of this by Stonewall Jackson. His second in command was Lieutenant General Richard Ewell, who was an agnostic. He would watch Stonewall Jackson as Stonewall Jackson would praise the Lord, would pray, would live out his Christianity as much as he could as a military man through the horrific civil war here in America. But he often wondered, how in the world can he ever do that? Well, Richard Ewell went by Stonewall Jackson's tent one night. And with the candle flickering in the tent, he looked by and he saw inside and there was Stonewall Jackson on his knees petitioning God for the wisdom to be the man of God and leader of his own men. It was at that time that this agnostic, this atheist, then looked back and he said, if that's true religion, then I want that. He was watching him. He was seeing what he was doing. He was copying them. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.